0: Thank you for the clock, guys. I want to say welcome, and then I want to say this. I want you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes right now. You are at the very end of a certain time, and what has been going on for the last three and a half years is, is you've got these disciples. There's 12, but then there's more, right? And the point is, what you've been doing is, at the very beginning of that three and a half years, you took them through what we've been calling college, which is where you did things that they didn't know were possible. So they saw that they would happen. They would start believe that they, would, they, they could happen. And they started changing how they saw the world for the first half of the three and a half years. And then at the second half of the three and a half years, about Luke 8, what they did is he transitioned over to a master's program where what's happening is you're actually experiencing, right, what it is that he was doing. You're doing it now. But here's what's cool about a master's level program. There still is a professor. There still is class time. There still is a chance. You go and you do something, but then you come back, and then you interact, and then you go out, and then you come back, and you you see what I mean? There's this nice little sort of baton handoff to where it's going to get to ultimately, which is the doctorate. And the doctorate is, is where you're contributing to the field of knowledge in the world yourself. And that's going to come. Now, we're not at the end of the master's program, but we are at the end of what we might call the classroom setting or the controlled environment. We've had three and a half years where things have happened, but pretty much Jesus has been able to completely set the pace. Now, of course, God's still in control of what happens in the Passion Week, but do understand from the disciple's standpoint, when the Passion Week kicks in, all heck is breaking loose, all kinds of stuff are happening. This is going emotionally and experientially and everything else, and there's still things that Jesus is going to do to finish up the master's program. But the bottom line is is this is happening in a very, very different environment than what's been happening for three and a half years. So this is the last thing that Jesus, you, are doing with these disciples. Now you tell me, as the disciple. What's the last thing that you would do with them? What's the thing that you want to bring home to them that sums up the whole of their education to this moment? What's the thing that sums up everything you've been trying to teach them? What is it? Just yell it out. Love, Love is great. It's not the one I'm looking for, but it's fantastic. This is the Mount of the I like that a lot, but but I'm gonna suggest there's something even more obvious. Yes? Keep going, yeah, yeah. Now think about it. You're a disciple. What's a disciple do? He equips people to do what? What is it? To serve, but in what way? To make disciples, to bring people to the Lord. You see it? I want to show you something here. Here's what happens. Three weeks ago, which is, this is all one story. This is the very last story before the Passion Week kicks in in fullness, okay? The very last story starts with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is, excuse the language, a scumbag. He is a Jewish person who has traitored his people and gone after the Romans to enforce their will upon God's people. So he is a scumbag. And here's what Jesus did is the last act that he did before the Passion Week stuff kicks in, the last act he did was what? He came to the scumbag and saved him. Now, this is not how we think about the Messiah coming, right? The way we think of the Messiah coming, the way the Jewish people are thinking of the Messiah coming is, he comes to the righteous, to the people who sort of deserve it, to the people who have kind of earned it, to set them free from the Romans and all this kind of stuff. See what I mean? The Messiah is to come to save this, the righteous. But what does Jesus do? He saves the ones that knows they're not righteous. And by the way, when he's doing that, he points out how unrighteous the ones that think they're righteous are. So he came to save all. See it? Now, the next thing that happens is he says, look, you gotta understand, look, right after he does Zacchaeus when, he's, Zacchaeus, when he's talking to him, the next thing that he does is this. He says, now, you are thinking this is about me bringing in an age where we overcome the Romans, I'm here to tell you that isn't what this is about. And it isn't going to happen the way that you think it is. And so I'm going to tell you in a parable, essentially, what it's going to be like. And I want to read this parable to you. This is a long intro, a short sermon. He said, a noble man was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then returned. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, this is a parable but it's not. He's telling them what he's doing. This is a story of what he's doing. He calls you the ten of his servants and he divides them and then ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king explained. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted you, so you will be governor over ten of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said, You'll be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back the only, only the original amount of the money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least then I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the others, standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who don't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Wow, happy Father's Day. I do want to say something, by the way, I, I, probably, I don't have to explain this so much because most everybody knows this, but my traditional Father's Day gift to fathers is, is not to tell you how to be better fathers, okay? I don't do a sermon on Father's Day about fathers, I've done it once or twice, but usually it's just a sermon, just try and do what God tells you to do, you'll be a good father. Anyway, so, all right, so you get it? So here's the point. Now, now here's the key to this, now watch this, tell me, what is he asking for? What's he asking for? Go ahead. An investment, yeah, but a return on the investment, right? So here's what he's asking for right here. When I return, now look what he says. I want to rejoice in the return you got, and here's the key phrase of all of it, from what I gave you. I gave you something, and I wanted a return, right? So you tell me, what has God given us that he wants a return on? Because this is for us too, Right? What has, he, what has he given you? Now, there's lots of things he's given you, but what's the big one? Salvation. What did he give you? Salvation. Relationship salvation. So, what is he expecting back? I saved you. Did you, get any, did you help anybody else get saved? This is really complicated stuff. Okay? We're, you know, the whole, the whole key to getting really smart is, is how simple things really are equals MC squared. Finding the beauty and how simple it really is. And that's what God's trying to do with us today. But let me do something right now. And when I'm doing this right now, here's what I'm asking for. Honesty, not condemnation. If you take what I'm about to ask you and you, and you, you go, oh God, I really am a failure. You will miss the point. Defensiveness will rise up and you will miss what God's trying to give you today. Which is something that's incredible. So let me just ask you. If today, let's make it tomorrow since today's Father's Day. If tomorrow you die. (laughs) Happy Father's Day, like I said. (laughs) If tomorrow you die and you are standing before the Lord, what are you? Just tell me. I mean, you already know. Are you a tenfold return? Are you a fivefold return? Are you a onefold return? All of those are good. Or lovingly, not condemningly. Again, God is trying to change this in love. Are you like over 80% of people in America who will never bring one person to the Lord in their entire lives? You know what? Maybe that's not actually a fair criteria on which to judge us, and here's why. You could spend your entire life trying to save people, and nobody come. And he's not going to, it's not the fruit. He's the one that's responsible for who comes. So it's not really on you as to how many come. There is something, however, that is on you. What is that? Yeah, did you try? Did you invest? (laughs) Did you take your time, your energy, your care, your strategy, your thoughtfulness? Did you do what it takes to invest? Which is not a casual thing. If you do investing casually, you will quickly lose. But if you invest carefully, if you invest thoughtfully, sacrificially, if you think it through, if you're careful about it, if you manage it, if you work the process, if you are really careful about how you're investing and what you're investing, what usually happens? Not every time, but what usually happens? You get a return. So this is, so here's the question now. And again, no condemnation. Much better that there would be honesty so that when God shows us the really cool thing he's going to show us, You go, I can embrace that. And you're not trying to defend yourself still. So let me just ask you, if the criteria isn't how many you got saved, but did you try? And how hard did you try? Was this a big thing in your life? Can you stand before the Lord and grade yourself as what? An A? I really did pour out in a thoughtful, strategic, sacrificial, real way. I really, this really was an important part of my life that I worked. Is that who you are? And, and you're an A? Or are you a B? I'm really asking you to ask this question before the Lord right now with the Holy Spirit helping you to answer. You may find He grades you up from where you thought you were. Some people look at themselves that way, right? Some people are never as good as they actually are. Other people are always a little worse than they thought they were. So let the Holy Spirit help you with this answer, but really seriously, what's your grade? Is it a C? In terms of effort? In terms of the real try? Is it a D? We're not going to go any lower than that. <laughs> Nobody fails. But that doesn't mean that everybody gets an A. And what does it matter if we do get an A? I mean, if I got a D, at least I get in. what if every part of what I just said right there is completely backwards? And of course, you know that it is. In fact, let me say it this way. What you want to hear from the Lord is, well done, you're a good servant, you've been faithful. Now, I say what you want to hear, but let's be truthful again. Great day for truth. Let's be truthful. Is that what's most important to you? That when you're done, you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that, how important is that to you? Because I'll tell you right now, there's probably two or three people in this place that truly, they want that more than anything else and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And then there's a wide range of people that have some mixture of something. Which is, I want to be comfortable and I want to enjoy myself and I'm going to do some of that too. And it's all to varying degrees of it. Do you see that? So we're going to do something right now. Like I said, long introduction. But we're going to pray. And here's what I'm going to be asking you to pray. And I think, yeah, I am going to have John pray. But when, when we're praying, I want you to do something. I want you to be able to say this in your heart. Watch this. Yes, God. I want that. If you really do want it. If you don't really want it, can I always recommend that you be honest rather than... Facade with God can I highly recommend that if you don't want that you bring that to him see because here's what I want to say if you say yes here's what I can tell you God's going to change your life and in some ways that from where you sit right now you may not want it right now now by the time he changes you you will want it but you got to understand there's a cost to the tower so I don't want you to say yes casually because it's going to mean something And if you can't say, yes, honestly, then I want you to say, help me get to the place to where I can say, yes, honestly. It's just super good to be true with the Lord, because then whatever he's doing with you, you know what he's doing, because he's answering your prayer. If you're saying, yes, and you mean, kind of, then when he does, you're going, I don't like that. (laughs) But if you say, you know what, I'm not there. But I want to be there, and I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm giving you the right. I'm asking you to come in and get me there. To where I'm saying, that's what I want most of all. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Got it? So, John, thank you.
1: The revelation of Jesus Christ to his bondservant, John a portion of which delivered to you by another John. He who is able to hear, let him listen and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the assembly in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of the Holy One, the true one, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one shall open. I know your record of works and what you were doing. See, I have set before you a door wide open which no one is able to shut. Thank you. I know that you have but little power, but yet you have kept my word and guarded my message and have not renounced or denied my name. And in my words, I pray that your word that goes forth this morning will not return void. And we thank you for that. Thank I lift up the Woodenville Methodist Church thank for its ministry to the community in Woodenville, And thank you that you would bless us here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank Amen. you, Jesus.
0: John, that was spectacular. Would you? Let me know if you got a sermon cooking, okay? (laughs) All right, let's go through the verses a little bit, okay? Like I said, it's a shorter body. So a noble man was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king. Who is that? Okay, now remember something here. There's two categories of people. One is the Jews, okay, the Israelites at Jesus' time, and the other one is the disciples in which is also Christians, us, see that? So there's two categories, one of them has, the disciples and us, got it? Now, when we answer this question though, this particular one, the noble man goes away to this, we understand that that's Jesus and going to heaven and the whole thing, right? And he's coming back again, see? So it's Jesus that's going away, now watch this. That first category of people, the Israelites, are the ones he's talking to when he says, but his people hated him. His people hated him and sent a delegation after to him to say, we do not want him to be our king. Wow. Now, let me say something. I don't think Christians say that. So we're not in that category. But I do want to say something that's interesting. There's a lot of people who say they don't want Jesus to be their king. But it doesn't matter, he is anyway. <laughs> right? The funny thing about kings is you don't get to pick yours. <laughs> oh, I want him to be my king. You see what I mean? There is a king, period, right? And he's king of everybody, whether you like it or not. So after he was crowned king, he returned and called in his servants to do what? He called 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. And then when he returns, he called in the servants to whom he had given the money, and he wanted to find out what their profits were. This is the return that we just talked about, right? All right. So, again, now, this is really difficult stuff, okay? You need a doctorate for this, okay? What did God give the Israelites? Not Christians. What did God give the Israelites? What did he give them? The law, yes, but even more fundamentally than the law, just in Abram. A promise, yes, but, but let's just relationship. See, relationship with Him. That's what he gave them. There was other things that came after that, promises and and law and so on. But the fact is, what he gave them was relationship. And if he gave them relationship, then what's he asking of them? Did you bring others into relationship with him? Now, the terrible thing is, is that they should have. More than anybody else. Who were they? Nothing. God made them something. They should have been the most humble people ever and brought everybody and said, this is awesome and fantastic in here. But here's what they did instead. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. Is this true? Is that a true statement? Is that who God is? We already said something. The only thing he asked for is a return of what he already gave you. He could have just said, give it all back. Or he could have just not given it to you at all. That would be a bad one. So this is a lie. This is a deception. This is absolutely, categorically untrue. How in the world did a people that God chose and then blessed, did God bless the Israelites? Oh my gosh. They were nothing. And when they became... The most important nation on the face of the earth throughout history. And that's not just Christians saying this. Just go back into history and name me one country that's been more important for a longer period of time than that nation. But even to today, everything that we talk about in terms of the Middle East has to do with Israel, right? And what's happening there? So, And he made them so rich at one point in time that silver was as nothing. And he, you know... It, the things that he did to bless them were just absolutely extraordinary. But something happened, as always happens, with people who are in prosperity, like, say, America. This is the parable of the seeds. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but the weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything strangled what was heard. Now think about that, I I love this verse because here's what he's saying. He's saying, here's how the world does it. It does it one of two ways, or both. You can either worry so much that you forget how good God is, or you can want something that isn't what God wants for you so much that you forget who God is. Or you can do both, because usually you want and you try and get something, and if you get something then you multiply your worries. Right? So the point is, is what he's saying is, he's saying we get taken away by ourselves. But do do remember something. There is an enemy who's trying to get us to be taken away, who's trying to deceive us. And Paul talks about him when he says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray. See that? So are we getting it? This is, we're all prone to this thing. The the irony, the absolute irony of the God who wants to do nothing but bless you abundantly is that when he does, it so often leads us away. (laughs) It's amazing. We are funny, right? So the point is we have to remember something when we think about God. Is he asking you to stand on a straight corner and pass out tracks. Not usually. That was a perfect answer. Who did that? That was perfect. Right? What's he, is he asking you to do something for which you're completely ill-equipped? Yeah, that's actually a better answer than I had in my head sometimes. But then you're equipped because he asked you, and that's what anointing is about. Right? I mean, I just want you to think about it. What's he asking of us? Again, we're trying to boil. We're trying to reduce down three and a half years into the magic sauce, into the thing that just makes it E equals MC squared simple. What is God asking of us? Only that we pour out what he poured in. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. That doesn't not only seem unreasonable to me, that seems kind, seems generous. He's not even asking back what he gave. He's just asking for a return. (laughs) In other words, that you use it in such a way as that it makes a difference for someone else, right? Give as freely as you've received. Honestly, the, what he's asking us to do is getting really, really simple, isn't it? He's not asking you to give what you didn't get, what you don't have. He's asking you to give what he gave. The Jewish people weren't chosen because they were big and important. were was nothing, and of all people, here's what they should have done oh my gosh, God is fantastic and wonderful and glorious. And we want you to come to know him too. What can I do? What can I, I who have been given so much, what can I pour out? How can I bless? How can I touch? What do you need? Do you see that? Instead, of course, what do they do? God chose us, so we're more special. You're Gentile pigs. That's a really attractive way to try and bring people to the Lord. Works really good. Just try it. You see it? I mean, pretty amazing. This is the last thing he said. I just think Jesus is such a brilliant communicator. He's (coughs) sparkling in the way that he cuts through it all and gets to the heart. You're going to text. He was sparkling, aren't you? I can tell by the way you're laughing. Okay. Yes. As for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. This is what he's saying to the Jewish people. He's saying, I gave you everything. You got all screwed up in it. And I'm cutting you off. Wow. That's tough. But let's go back up in the progression From those who do nothing, even what little they have, be taken away. Now, primarily that's about the Jewish people, but that is something that can apply to us too, isn't it? Here's the truth. If you are about the things of God, you will grow in the things of God, and your chances of walking away from him and of going another direction reduce. If you are being casual or worse about the things of God then what will happen is, without you even knowing it, it'll bleed away, and you'll end up in another place thinking something about him that isn't true. Being in a place of deception. And what you had will be stolen from you. Right? But let's not concentrate on any of that stuff. Let's do this one. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given here's the truth about the world. I, I, I didn't know how to do this very well, and I'm just going to show you this one. This is just one field in the world, and there are fields like this in every land on the face of the earth. There, are a, there is an abundance. This earth is such a flowering spring of abundance. It is phenomenal. Anywhere you go, there is a potential of abundance in the world that is overflowing in the extreme. The things that God has given are so much, it's almost amazing that we don't all live in a place of abundance, and in fact, it's not amazing, because what it is, is it's an evidence of our own selfishness that we do things that lock it down in ways that cause people to be without food. We do the things. The earth itself, what God gave us, it's almost like the earth is so abundant you don't even hardly have to try. Just invest. Just work it a little bit. Just tend the garden a little bit. It's going to flower. It's going to bloom. It's going to bear fruit. And then you're going to get to taste that fruit and eat it and enjoy it. What he did was as he said... Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Let's talk about that for a second. That was one mina, okay? Now, a mina turns out to be about four months' wages. So in today's world, he gave them what? You know, $20,000 to $40,000, and there's people above and below that, of course. But somewhere in that range, for most people sitting in this room, somewhere in that range, he gave them about $10,000 to $40,000, Right? And then what they did is they invested, and got, they got a return, and, and, but now look, what he gave back was, you're the governor of 10 cities. Think about that for a second. What did he give back compared to what, he gave them four months wages to invest, they turned it into something, some of them did, and so you would think he gave them more money which in one guy's case he did get what the other guy lost, right? But, but you understand, look what he's doing. He's rewarding in a way that is not different in degree, it's different in kind. Can I tell you that this is my story? I'm not patting myself on the back when I do this and God forgive, but I just want to tell you, this is my story. I want to tell you how true this is because I can tell you that way, 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 I'm talking 20 years before I ever entered any kind of actual formal ministry. I found the Lord. The Lord found me, let's be true. And as soon as he found me, it was so wonderful because I was 19 years old. I was in one kind of life. And then all of a sudden, I was blind and now I see. And I saw this other thing and I couldn't wait to share that with everybody that I could. Now I want to say something about that. I did share with everybody I could but I wasn't obnoxious. I wasn't, I wasn't counterproductive in my sharing by being so pushy that it caused people to reject me. Now I want to say something about when I got saved versus what's happening today in terms of sharing the Lord and that is this. I think it's a very different world that we live in. When I got saved... People may not be Christians, but they weren't nearly as anti-Christian as the world has now become. There, it, is, it, is, it was is—it wasn't open season on telling you what an idiot and a horrible person you were, on actually thinking you were a bad person for being a Christian. See it? And what I want to say is, it doesn't actually change anything. It's still a sharing with wisdom and discernment. It's sharing without being afraid. Even though people might have been open to it, you don't think I ever had a moment where I thought, oh, I don't want to share this with them. They've been my friend forever, and I don't want to bug them. You don't think that came through my mind? I can tell you it really didn't. You know why? Because I found something that was so much better, I just couldn't wait to share it with them. I was like, of course you want this. And that was the joy of the Lord that was just flowing out of me. And it kept flowing out of me. And then a few years later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I started leading a whole bunch of people into baptism in the Holy Spirit. I lived for, I don't know how many years it was, but for a very long period of time, I had no desire to be a minister. In fact, here's how dumb I am. I went to seminary precisely not to become a pastor. I went to seminary in order to learn more about God so that I could be a better witness, (laughs) so that I could do a better job of bringing people to the Lord. That's why I went to Hollywood. This is everything that I did. Everything that I did, from the minute I got saved, and I say everything, of course it wasn't everything, right? You know what I mean? But my life was about bringing people to the Lord. It was about bringing them into things of the Lord, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was about growing people in God. That's what I love to do, and anybody who knew me knew that that's what I did, and I had Honestly, I can't think of one person, of all my friends, and I lived a very, very different life before that. I can't remember anybody thinking that I was an idiot, a jerk, or a pushy. People just knew that I had something that I was overjoyed with, and I was discerningly and carefully but surely wanting to share that with them. And it wasn't because I was afraid of them. It was because I was so overjoyed with what I had that I just wanted to have it, and they knew it was just me trying to help them. That's what the message that they got from me. And I want to say something, even though the world will make fun of you for being a Christian, and even though it's true on a personal level, the personal level is where we win. If we want to talk about the aggregate, that was always Satan's. I'll tell you where we win. We win when we establish a relationship with somebody, just like we talked about with the youth group with Tamara. We win when we establish a real relationship, when we establish something that's true, and when we've got something that we want to share. And I want to say something. People say, I'll wait until they ask me. And I want to say something. Don't wait. Don't push. How do you know the difference? The Holy Spirit does and he'll lead you. He'll show you when you need to speak. Because there are times that you need to speak. There are times that you need to do. There are times of every conceivable thing that there is. And the Holy Spirit is not tripped up by how much the world hates Christianity right now. This does not frighten him. And he is still saving people. And he's still asking us to be a part of that. Because when you do that, it's the most phenomenal thing that you've ever done in your whole life. And I'm here to tell you that I thought I would live the rest of my life being a business person, making money and having a business and doing the things that I was already doing and that I I had no desire to be a pastor whatsoever. But I kept bringing people to the Lord and I kept bringing them into the things of the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And then one day God gave me A city, a city of brothers and sisters, of children, of elders, of people that I love a hundred times over. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Amen. You want the best? (laughs) He's got the best. (laughs) Chase something else and get something less than the best and keep chasing it until you get so sick of it that you finally figure out that there's only one that's good. (laughs) Right? Right? Because in every one of us we're his masterpiece and he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what are we saying? What's he asking you to do? Just invest in others by giving them what he gave you. This is so simple. And here's what I want you to do now. Reach in front of you, would you? There's a piece of paper in front of you. Everybody needs to pick up this piece of paper and pencil. Would you just do me a favor? Would you guys, you guys have one right next to you there, go, thank you. Everybody, yeah, behind, okay. Yeah, thank you, Greg. Uh, everybody needs their own piece of paper, because this is you, so everybody needs a piece of paper. We made it card stock so that you can write on it without, you should be able to write. Now the first thing that I want you to do, really complicated, paying close attention, really you want this piece of paper and pen in your hand. Trust me, the next 10, 15 minutes are gonna be all about this piece of paper and pen. So. I don't know, some people will still look straight at me without any paper and pen and just go. I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. (laughs) I'm like, okay. All right, the first thing I want you to do, really complicated, draw a line right down the middle. If you'd like, but if you just did it by the instructions, it might work out better, but I don't know. With you, Amber, I don't know. It seems like things always work out, so however you want to do it. All right, now on the left-hand side of this, I want you to put this. What he poured into me. Or you could put, what did he pour into me? Okay, what did he pour into me? All right. Now I'm not asking you to write anything just yet. I wanna give you some ideas about the kinds of things that we're talking about. What did he pour into me? Peace. Joy. Love. Grace. A family. Friends. Finances. Calling. A house, a place to live, a home. A car. Humor. The list goes on and on. I'm asking you to do something don't write it down just yet. You can start if you want, but write small, because I want you to have stay on the one side of paper if you can. There's a reason why. You'll see it in a second. But before you start writing it down, I want us to write down with the right heart. So I'm going to read you something. Go ahead and just wait one second. Thanks. I just want to read this to you. This is somebody who, well, it's going to explain it, but they started 365 days, a year of choosing joy. A year of choosing joy. And this is, this is kind of where we are right now, right? We're choosing to look at the things that God has blessed us in. There's other things that aren't going so well in our lives. We all get that, right? But we're choosing to affix right now our full attentions on what he has done for us. And I want you to see this person. Many of you are going to know who this is when I start talking about it. If you don't know who it is, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Just listen to what they said. Okay? Kurt asked me to share what I've been up to these past 202 days. So that's what? A little under seven months? I've been posting once a day about choosing joy. Sometimes it's deep and thoughtful, others comic relief. Sometimes it's finding that one small moment of good in a day, that one small moment of good in a day. Reflecting back on who I was before. How long ago? Not very long. Looking back on who I was before I started, this is honestly kind of scary I wasn't in a good place, I was deeply depressed. My hope was wearing thin, no self esteem. I blamed everyone else for my unhappiness. I was in such a dark place. I knew who I wanted to be, who God wanted me to be. But I didn't know how to change. My brain was stuck on all the negativity, that's all I could ever see. One night I got into a fight with my husband and blamed him for my unhappiness. The moment the words left my mouth, I knew they were not true. I also knew I believed them, and it was like a warning siren went off in my head. In an instant, God showed me the lies I was buying into. I decided enough was enough. I'm not living like this anymore. I'm choosing joy. So I've been doing 365 days of joy, and I post about it every day on social media. Who am I now? It brings me to tears just thinking about it. I can finally see God's blessing in my life. How good I have it. I've missed out on so much all because of my perspective. That husband I blame for my unhappiness brings me more joy than I can say. My marriage has greatly improved. I'm looking for the good in life and in people where I used to see only the bad. I still feel depressed sometimes. I love that. Not that I love that, but you get the point. I love the honesty. But it's the lies that came with it that I don't believe anymore. I'm full of hope, not despair. My journey isn't over. I'm not perfect. But to think where I was, I don't know her anymore. All because God asked me to choose joy every day. So what I want you to do right now while the music's playing, I want you to prayerfully, I want you to prayerfully start writing down those things. The things that he's given to you which you can say thank you for. Right? There's other stuff you can't. I got it. But the things you can, write them down. Start making a list. As I'm writing, I'm even thinking about specific people that he's put in my life. see a lot of people are still writing and I want to say praise God because we can write if we just let the Holy Spirit really keep going with us we can just go forever right but I want to do something now with you I want you to switch to the other side of the page all these things for which you're thankful which God gave you which God poured out for you all these things How can I pour that back out? I want you to look at each one and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. How can I pour love back out? Joy back out, peace. Specific ways As you're doing this just be praying and asking the Lord how can I do this what would you have me do with this thing you gave me how could I use it pour it back out there's more that can be done. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it home and prayerfully in your devotes tomorrow or whatever, finish it, fill it out, long as it takes. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that right-hand side. The things that you wrote down today, the things you're going to write down there, and here's what I want to say. That's all he's asking of you. (laughs) Right there not complicated, not hard, not something you don't have, not something more than you can give. He's just asking you to pour out what he's poured in. He's poured in friendship. Be a friend. He's poured in love. Find somebody to love. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift you up. In thanksgiving, in praise. We lift you up saying, God, you are amazing. Oh, thank you, God. 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 Just like we started. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You have given us so much to be thankful about. It completely changes us. And now, God, we do with it what you would ask, and that's freely having been given, we joyfully and freely pour it out. Knowing that when we do that, it just comes back more, fills us up more, gives us more to pour out, and that we go on this incredible journey with you. In Jesus' holy and magnificent name. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We reached down in front.